0: Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us. I am happy that you have joined us and continue to listen to us. Uh, this is the second part with a, a very excited, exciting guest of mine, a longtime friend, Jay Vincent, a uh, man who uh, advocates for those with disabilities in the court systems. And Jay, thank you so much again for joining us.
1: Thank you for letting me be here. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you so sure. much, Mike.
0: And we do record these all on the same day, so I'm sure it was a long trip back, right, to, to the second one. Oh yeah, yeah. So today we're gonna to take a more detailed look at uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act in the court system, the injustices that are experienced, <coughs> excuse me, by people uh, with disabilities, and and get more into the the stresses uh, of what people deal with. Again, I want to apologize. I am recovering from COVID-19 and pneumonia. I'm doing very well, except this lingering uh, occasional cough and clearing of the throat. So I hope you'll excuse me for that. I'll do my best to turn away from the microphone when it's time for me to just can't hold it back anymore. But I want you as as a listener, as we begin uh, this episode, to imagine having a disability, uh, be it visible or invisible, and you are having to deal with the court system. Now, let's imagine not having a disability, and imagine those of you who don't have a dis- experience a disability, imagine the stress that you deal with if maybe you've had to be in the court, face charges, or face something uh, in the court systems, and you remember the stress that you felt, that you were nervous, probably sweating, not breathing regularly, just trying to just imagine the worst and best scenarios. And maybe, you know, just even times of getting pulled over by a, a police officer for a traffic ticket. And, you know, that's stressful. You don't know what's going to happen and what the outcome will be. But now imagine the stress of simply living every day with a disability. Uh, maybe people have physical, mental Uh, disabilities. And and imagine the stress of every day waking up and getting through another 24-hour period with that disability alone. And now let's multiply that and imagine the stress of combining both the the difficulty of the disability and difficulty with the court. That adds a uh, second layer of stress. But Jay tells us, and he told me in an email, that the stress actually doesn't stop at those two points because the courts make it exponentially worse for people with disabilities. And so that really grabbed my attention. And later in the the episode today, we'll talk about that statement there. But I appreciate Jay joining us, coming back, and, and really educating us, uh, even though I've talked to Jay extensively in the last episode, I actually learned some things I hadn't heard before. But let's begin with the positive, Jay. Uh, what is the American with Disabilities Act, and how is it supposed to work in the court system?
1: Well, it's supposed to. Uh, that's a good question. It's supposed to give equal. It's supposed to guarantee that equal access can occur for persons who are qualified individuals with disabilities. What does qualified individual mean? Well, it means if if I have you know like if if I'm if I'm part of a uh, a segment of society that the local city or county's tax laws apply to me, you know, and I have to pay taxes and. You know, I have to uh, get permits and all this stuff. If, I, if I'm qualified to receive those, those programs, benefits, and services, then I'm a qualified individual. Now, if I have a disability on top of that, I'm a qualified individual with a disability, and I can't be excluded on the basis of my disability. So if, if I'm deaf and, and the city's putting out, uh, you know, things that uh, o- you know only hearing people can take advantage of, then I've been excluded on the basis of my disability. Same way with PTSD. If I have PTSD and there are things that I need to help me mitigate and uh, navigate my interaction with the system as I do personally, then, uh, you know, I find that often I'm excluded on the basis of disability. So uh, it, it's supposed to guarantee, though, the the equal access to all of the programs, services, and activities of the state and local government and also the uh, goods and offerings and so forth of of uh, uh, public accommodations like you know stores and malls and uh-huh. uh, things like that that are open to the public and then uh, in Title One it's it's employer ADA law it's so that your employer is supposed to have you have equal access for you as well so okay uh, yeah that's how it's, that's how it's supposed to work and there are there are some entities that are not subject to the ADA yeah, and that surprises people but. Yeah, you know, things like churches and religious organizations, they're, they're exempted from the ADA. And it, then
0: why uh, is that?
1: Well, it's just that this was written in. And, uh, then also the federal government, it's not, un, it's not under ADA. The federal government's under section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act and all of the Rehabilitation Act actually, but, uh, the, uh, you know, like the federal court, the, the federal court that adjudicates the ADA is not subject to the ADA. So you know, if you got a yeah, if you got a disability, and you're going to the federal court. You have to use Judicial Conference Number Five and ask for auxiliary aids on the basis of communication disability. And wow. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bit tricky, but uh, and they don't like it when you know that or use hmm. that. So,
0: so in a in a perfect court system, then what would ADA look like? What would be kinds of things would be accommodated?
1: I mean, in, in a court system that, that's fair and equitable. I would see that there would be a screening process at the beginning of the the uh, the mm-hmm. you know the process. You know, if, if somebody gets a charge, you know, there's there's a number on there to call. They can walk through a set of series of questions. Do you have a disability? You know, how does this disability affect you? Uh, a lot of times, what I find in the court system is that that when people say they have a disability and they need equal access, the first response of the court is. Will prove it. Hmm. And basically that that says, we don't believe you. We don't want to give you equal access. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's hogwash. Yeah. So uh, title two of the ADA, actually, there's no requirement for you to prove it, to go get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to prove it if you're going to uh, pursue a case against them in federal court. But the time to prove that prima facie case is in federal court, not in the state court system where you're asking for the equal access or the. Uh, public school system where you're asking for the uh, equal access. Mm-hmm. So,
0: okay, interesting. Now, what uh, I don't want to get too far off track, but there's something that you brought up in the last episode, and I can't remember the term used, but it was like legal abuse syndrome or something to that effect. Yes, is that was so that the like, right term?
1: It is. Dr. Karen Hopper coined this term, and uh, legal abuse syndrome is when somebody finds themselves traumatized so deeply by the legal industry, the legal system, that it causes a long-lasting effect. In my case, I've had uh, significant traumas with the the court system, and uh, it's included in my diagnosis of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, So my diagnosis letter actually says that I have a history of trauma with government systems, and... Boy, is that the truth. So uh, legal abuse syndrome, though, is is rampant because judges aren't trained properly and they don't care whether or not they administer justice Mm -hmm. fairly and equitably to people with disabilities. All they care about is getting their day done with so they can go hit their tea time or wash their car or do what they want to do. Yeah, it's it's nothing more than a job. It's it's not a yeah. Uh, you know, I I I don't find that uh, judges are uh, likely subjects for dispensing out equal access.
0: Okay. Yeah, and and then I this I want to stay on this for just a moment because it, it fascinates me because it's something you usually don't hear about is this legal abuse syndrome. So with you got your letter. So what are the courts required to do in relation to this? Uh,
1: In relation to asking for equal access?
0: No, in relation to this specific disability of legal abuse syndrome, because you're facing the very system that brought on this disability, so what are they required to do when someone does have that syndrome?
1: well i want to point out that i'm i'm not uh i'm not an attorney i can't give legal advice i'm Correct. not also yes. not giving out medical or mental health advice but yes uh with that said the the legal abuse syndrome is a syndrome it contributes to a diagnosis of of another disability of of a disability actually you know uh and the, the disability that i have is p t s d mm-hmm. and so if i have p t s d and it's you know it's uh uh, and I'm triggered when I go into court. There's several things that I'm going to ask the judge to do right off the bat. And, um, they, they hate it when you ask them to avoid intimidating, coercing, threatening or, or, uh, interfering with your exercise enjoyment of ADA rights. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this in Portland in uh, Multnomah County, uh, municipal court. Um, I think it might be in the circuit court. I can't remember circuit court. I believe it is. But in that court, I, I have dealt with a lot of ADA coordinators, mm-hmm. and the one that I did—I don't think he's the ADA coordinator there anymore, but he's still involved in the court system. I'm not going—I'm not going to uh, hang him out to dry on this, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: on this thing. I, I don't have a reason to either because he—he he actually helped me get every one of my requests for modification in place. Every oh, wow. one of them. they granted, they granted every, it's The only time I've ever okay. seen every one of them go. Yep. We'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they did. And it was, and it was to their detriment and my, my benefit and I needed it that way. But I felt like, uh, even though they wanted to be, uh, non-responsive to my questions and my clarification attempts, I still had somewhat of a level playing ground there in Portland. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was a big deal. I, You know, I asked for things like uh, I wanted to be able to record because I need to be able to look back on this and and have notes. And, uh, you know, PTSD puts you in a triggered state. You can't think cognitively really well. You know, taking notes in the middle of that, it distracts you even more. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So uh, recording is a big plus. Uh, Asking the judge to not uh, talk to me in coercive language, that's a big plus. They agreed to that. I uh, actually had a judge later, Ben Johnston, that did try that, threatened me with contempt. And I told him, I said, you know, I've got ADA accommodations in place, and you're going to threaten me with concert- coercive language. I th- and, and I went off on him. I said, you do your worst. Do your worst. I was hollering at him. I was pissed. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm going I'm uh, to rule for the, uh, the plaintiff. In other words, he, he ruled for the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, slammed the gavel down, got up, walked off the bench. And I've got all of those tickets that they were writing me when I was there. Mm-hmm. Every, one them's okay. every one of them has been dismissed. Every one of them. So, yeah, that was part of the the uh, uh, settlement agreement. And they did. They dismissed every one of them. So, I mean, him saying that I want to rule for the city, I mean, that was of a, a little to no effect. Yeah. Uh, and I, of course, got it on audio that he was hmm. uh, trying to threaten me and so forth. So I'm using that to uh, well, that's show a... how the system doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Great. And I it's interesting that you brought up the note-taking because when you're in a triggered state, you can't think cognitively. Let's back out of the court system for a minute because I want the listener to really understand what these the individuals, especially with the individual invisible disabilities, are facing when they go into court. Let's just go into everyday life. When somebody has a disability be it physical or mental, what is it they go through on a day-by-day basis?
1: So, uh, you know, sometimes I deal with parents of, of kids that have disabilities and you know, things like autism or traumatic brain injury or uh, they have some type of syndrome or another that makes them non, nonverbal uh, in, in their communication. And, and something will happen that uh, sends the child into a spin because of the disability and, and you know, this is actually stressful on the parents as well. And I think there's secondary, uh, things that, that could go on disability wise with the parent because of this. Uh, one, one case that comes to mind is, uh, I think it's in Ohio that, uh, parent goes into the Disney store. The, the child cannot wear a mask because of autism mm-hmm. and, uh, they get singled out, berated, told to mm-hmm. leave embarrassed and uh, denied access and this is something that uh, i mean people deal with on you know think about somebody like that on you know in portland there's a lot of people that have different kinds of issues and you, know, you get somebody like that on the bus and uh, i mean it can it can cause ripple effects mm-hmm. and um so there's there's just all kinds of things that can happen when somebody has an invisible disability mm-hmm. you know it, it, and when i say invisible disability autism doesn't look like a disability until it presents and once mm-hmm. it presents you're like what's going on with this person yeah. are they on mm-hmm. drugs or you know the, you want to kind of think the worst because yeah. uh you're you're in the fight or flight at that point in time it's, a, it's an unknown uh non-common stimulus that scares you because you don't know how to deal with it and you don't know what the mm-hmm threat level is to you on this reaction that's going on
0: yeah yeah and then so they're just they're probably exhausted them and the family is mentally emotionally exhausted you're physically exhausted just for the fact you're dealing with what how society treats you and just the fact that just the simple things brushing your teeth taking a shower just those simple things that we take for granted. Uh, you know, people with disabilities, they, they can't, you know, I remember at the height when I was at my worst with COVID-19 and the pneumonia, I couldn't shower for two weeks. I just could not stand up. I couldn't even sit up and I gained a new appreciation for the ability to just simply stand in the shower, you know? And, yep. but these people, every day of their life, it's, that's their reality. And then the, you go into a court system, which is just stressful for anybody, but then they have this added stress. And I want to talk about a statement you made in an email to me. You said that the system doesn't just add the stress of disability in the court, but you said courts can make it exponentially worse for people with disabilities. Uh, can you explain that?
1: Well, Dr. Judith Herman wrote a book called Trauma and Recovery. And in this book, she said, if one and I'm paraphrasing this, but this is really close. She says, if one set out by design to create a, a system for producing post-traumatic symptoms, one could not do better than a court of law. She said, women have compared the experience to being raped a second time. Hmm. You know, wow. so. Uh in it, it, and, and there in, in, in Portland, I mean there was uh one guy, uh I can't remember his name. I can see his face, Kenneth something, I can't remember his last name. Judge Kenneth uh Shucks, I can't remember his last name. He had a he had a domestic violence victim in front of him and shut her up three times and he finally said, Look, I can't hear any more of this You know, and, and this is her opportunity to speak out wow. in court against her her uh aggressor her mm-hmm. abuser, and this judge just stomps on her, wow. and and no no punishment for the judge. And, you know that's the thing with the the court system is that a a, a, court, a judge can, in, in Ohio, uh, and this is mirrored in a lot of states. Even if a judge does something maliciously, they can't be sued or held oh, accountable. Wow, and and so I mean. There is no justice system if you've got a little egomaniacal maniacal uh, bully on mm-hmm. the stand in a black robe and, he, and they can do anything they want mm-hmm. without accountability. We don't have a justice system, mm-hmm. and so I just I, I you know the first thing I do is that when I go in I let them know that I'm not there to believe that they're an impartial adjudicator. I, I let them know I think they're uh, they're they're an adverse party. You know the court. You know, this is not a. It's not an impartial adjudicator. Here, it's an adverse party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't trust the courts. I let them know I don't trust them, and I think it's one of the most powerful things you can do.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah. I, I went chasing a rabbit there. But sorry about no, that.
0: No, that's okay, and I appreciate you chasing that rabbit because I I've had the same experience in courts, uh, not with disability my own, but to work with the homeless. You know, I have seen. Uh, I've been there with a lot of homeless individuals, hooked them up with uh, good attorneys. And fortunately, there was a judge who had asked me to come on to just uh, each week. He would have a special day just for homeless individuals to be in the court system. And he would have me give him input on what is possible for uh, homeless individuals to correct their case. Maybe they have a trespassing charge or a theft charge. And what would be fair and what would be uh, doable for them face their circumstances to do. So I really appreciated that judge uh, taking on that. And he was very kind and really listened uh, in during the court proceedings to people. I appreciate that, but I've seen, yeah, I have seen some rough circumstances during court proceedings. And when I've gone in with homeless individuals, you know, these people are hungry they're tired, they have lack of sleep, they may have been up you know, collecting cans all night to try to get some money together or whatever. And, you know, of course, you deal, have to deal with people and other people on the streets and and never really getting a good night's sleep and then going in and just the fear and anxiety and stress they're facing, it, it's it's very, very difficult. Um, and it's uh, just so sad uh, to see that. Now, as we... Wind down to the end of this episode. I want to uh, speak to the audience listening for a minute. And you know, I'm going to pick out some groups of individuals and just speak your language for a minute. Let's start with Catholics uh, listening in to this podcast. You know, there's a very strong and consistent teaching uh, in the Catholic Church that every individual is made in God's image and therefore they have inerrant dignity. Uh, from the moment of conception to natural death. And this subject plays right into that. And the reason why this is important and why you should be doing something about what you now know is happening in our courses is because these people, uh, even if they're facing criminal charges, they have dignity and they deserve for that dignity to be recognized by attorneys and judges. I also have some Hindu uh, friends who follow the Hindu faith listening. And one of the things in the Hindu faith that's taught that I really appreciate is the idea of non-duality, meaning that there is no separation between you and I. But we all, if we all come from God, then we all are of the same substance uh, as people. And therefore, there is no separation between us. So the fact is, when those people uh, with disabilities are suffering in the court systems, that means you too are suffering because there's no separation. And then finally, those who maybe adhere to other faiths or no faith at all, which is fine, uh, then uh, I encourage you to just realize that the things that you as an individual feel, think, and ponder on a daily basis, the emotions you feel, the pain, the joys, the thinking of the future thinking of your circumstances you know how we do that constantly in our thoughts as humans those individuals in the court systems with disabilities they're going through those same experiences as you are so that means we should care about them too and not add to their suffering uh, so, uh jay we're winding down towards the end and i want just first of all want to say again uh, how much i appreciate you joining us in this and it truly is a pleasure to have you on here uh Anything you want to add?
1: Yes. If, uh, if if they want to get in touch with me, they can yes. uh, email me at ada rights at proton, protonmail.com. ADA rights, R I G H T S, at proton, P R O T O N M A I L.com. Or connect with me on Telegram at ada rights.
0: Okay. I appreciate that. And I was going to be asking that, and you beat me to it. So, And we'll talk. Uh, give that again in the next episode as well. Um, uh, wow. It, this has been a really good conversation and I appreciate you joining us and that I appreciate your friendship more than anything. You, you have inspired me through some interesting moments in my life. So join, appreciate you joining us today, but I hope you'll join us again on the next episode As Jay and I are really then going to get into the nuts and bolts and really give you tools because Jay can't do it all. I can't do it all, but Together we can, and I want you to pick up the mantle right where you are and make a difference right where you are. So join us next time as Jay is really going to give us some tools that we'll find useful. I hope you have a blessed day.
2: You've been listening to Common Sense on Social
0: Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's
2: sjcommonsense at gmail.com.